1: church planner this is pete mitchell
2: and this is peyton jones
1: and i have to make a a small confession here before we actually get into the podcast (laughs) and it's not the one you think it is it's while you were praying okay so guys we we always start off the 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 church planner podcast with prayer beforehand right because we want to make sure that we're bringing honor to god and we were having a great laugh before the prayer. Like, it was so funny. I kept thinking, man, I wish this was on the podcast. So then Peyton quickly goes, oh, okay, let's, let's hurry up and pray. And, okay, you have to understand something about me, guys. I'm, um, as Peyton will attest, and if you've been a long-time listener of the podcast, you've heard me say this. I don't really like praying in front of other people. Right. So I like, don't pray in front of Peyton. Peyton's got to take the lead on that because I'm very uncomfortable with it. And I do remember like every once in a while, I'll be praying with Peyton. Like, if something happens major in Peyton's life, I'm like, dude, all right, I'll pray. All right. I'll get past my issues. I'll pray. And I'll be praying. And Peyton I go, mm, yes, Lord, yes. And it, and it like throws me off. I'm like, wait, 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 hey, what, what's going on? I get, I got voices coming in my head, right? <laughs> like, I kid you not, right? That's what happens to me. It totally throws me off when people start doing stuff like that when I'm praying. So um, Peyton's praying <laughs> and his second line is, and God, it, it, it's so good to see Pete. And I just wanted so badly to go, yes, Lord,
2: yes, yes, uh-huh. <laughs> Amen, brother.
1: <laughs> I dig it. Oh, my gosh. So, uh. so hey, welcome back from the land of, I don't even know where you were. You, like, disappeared
2: on the world for a couple I of did, weeks. Dude, I did. You know, it was so funny because I was at home, but I was literally, like, getting up at the crack of dawn, going out, and I'm I'm putting a playground. I'm building, like, a ginormous playground for my kids in my yard. I'm basically opening up park Jones. I fired a forest ranger. We got a lookout station. I mean, I basically took a, a 35 by 22 foot stretch in my yard and put artificial grass. In. Artificial grass.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know what artificial grass. It is, but it sounds good. No, no grass
2: in. Sorry. Oh. I was getting ready to cough. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, I was out there, man. I was working in the rain. Uh, a couple guys, Bo Moffitt, church planner, uh, Paul Percy. Um dude, it, I saw Paul Percy that. on
1: your. Fa- I'm like, dude, he drove down from Stanton. Yeah, we had a great
2: time, man. We just talked church
1: planting, and you know, see, that's when you know. That's when you know, like, you intentionally wanted to like pour into these guys. Cause I didn't even get the nod or the invite at all. It's like, if we have Pete here, we're not going to actually be talking church planning. So let's leave Pete out of this. And, and Paul,
2: I Just knew you come help me on my yard. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to ask Pete. <laughs> it's, that's a safe bet. I'd be like, yeah. that's why I hire people. <laughs> like I'll, I'll send my boys over. I'll hire, hire some guys for you. I'll send them over. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, But, yeah, you know, it it was good, man. So that's where I went. And then we went up to the mountains. And, man, we did not have internet. That's weird. I don't even know how to respond to that. It is so weird to go completely cold turkey. And every year we go away, we say, hey, we're going to have, like, a fast from technology. Go away, seek the Lord. But, like, this place, this cabin was so remote, it had no technology. And we couldn't even cheat, you know? Couldn't even go in the bathroom and check your Facebook. It was like, boom. Cold turkey. It cut off. And it was really cool. If you say so. Didn't have my train either. <laughs> I've missed your train. I couldn't sleep. There's no train going by whistling at night. Does your train Comfort whistle me. at night? <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, dude. That's awful. It used to wake me up. When I first moved here, it'd wake me up like every hour it would do it. You know, and i I'd, I'd wake up all night. And uh, we were still sleeping on like sleeping bags in the uh, we didn't, our stuff was on a container coming from Europe and uh, but now man, I honestly like I don't I don't know if I sleep so well without it. Okay, I got you. I got you. So dude, we got so much to talk about. Happy New Year to everybody. <laughs> I haven't been here. I know the podcast has rolled on without me, but dude I saw Kirk
1: Overstreet and he was like, Okay, I want to have a Rogue One uh, episode. Where's Peyton? I go, dude, he abandoned us. That's all I can say is he abandoned us. It was
2: just bad timing. I, I saw it on my vacation.
1: Okay, I don't understand. You you By the way, guys, we are going to get in some church planning goodness. Um, for those of you who are new to the show, this is what's called Smack Talk. It's the best part of the episode. And if you don't like it, leave <laughs> because you're not going to like anything else we have to say. Or scrub ahead 30 minutes. And and by the way, man, I have just got some
2: juicy stuff to talk about. Just. Yeah, you do. Uh, you, you know how vindictive. Are we vindictive... Having the Rogue One episode sometime, or are we just going to cover that in Smack Talk? I think we're just going to cover it in Smack Talk. I, okay. y- but you know how vindictive I can be. Like when people give us a two-star review, I'm just like, <laughs> cybers talk them. We'll never get into Rogue One. We better start with Rogue One. If we if we get, <laughs> get you all wound up and angry. No, well, I'd say let's. Here, here's the point. What's today's topic, and then we'll get back to smack, smack Doc. Okay, so today's topic is quantity over quality. Okay, yeah, I, changed- I have
1: no idea what that means. No idea at all. But all right, cool. I'm hanging. So, so do I get to tell my story now? Yes. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. I don't think it's going to be as funny now. I've kind of built it up too much.
2: Nah, it, it'll be good. I I don't. I haven't even heard this. No, I couldn't. I, I couldn't send the dude. other night. We're texting back and forth, laughing our butt off. I'm like, dude, send it to me now. And you're like, no, no, I got to save it.
1: <laughs> well, because here's the thing, guys. All right, <clears throat> if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I'm a consultant. Like that's my day job. All the literally the over 207 episodes of the church Planner podcast. I don't know how many for hardcore church planning, the church planner magazine, all of that stuff has not paid a dime in profit. Like it is mm. basically um, it's probably lost money if you were to add everything up. Actually, no, actually. Oh, well, jump school because jump school made us a little bit of cash
2: because I cut you a check. Yeah, that yes. was cool. I actually saw money at some point. <laughs> I know, It was right? cool, but for jump school. But that was jump play, school. A yeah. lot of work went into jump school.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's got nothing to do with the church planner. Well, I mean, it's the same audience. But anyway, bottom line is, uh, if you've been listening for the podcast for a while, you know that's what I do. And I just decided last summer I was going to take on a few church planners and teach them how to do what I do and and help them make more money. Because I, and I've said this before in the podcast, I think being a consultant, could be one of the best things for a church planner as far as uh, income and giving them time with their family and time to work on their church, but not being consumed by a day job. And so uh, so I put together what's called the Bivo Church Planner Manifesto. And by the way, if you haven't read that, you're missing out, check out the show notes. There's a link you can get it at, uh, I think it's BivoChurchPlannerManifesto.com, And... Um, And I got a webinar that I put together on, you know, how to be a a consultant and all this type of stuff, right? And I've got a course. So most everybody who has downloaded that stuff has really, really liked it. I mean, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and be like, man, I think this is an answer to prayer. This is what I'm looking for. And that just makes me feel really good. And in fact, we got a, a new group that literally just started this week and, um, I mean, I these guys are awesome. They're they're from all over. We've got East Coast guys, we've got a, a Canadian A, A. And uh, and and in fact, we got so many people who expressed an interest that I'm thinking about doing another one. But um anyway, so this one dude, <laughs> you know, you know how I get all riled up. Man. Uh-huh. This, comes. this one dude. And I here's the funny part. When you and I were texting back and forth, I was like, I want to tell the story on the podcast. But I have to figure out a way to tell the story without calling him a you know a, a derogatory term every <laughs> yeah thank you every five seconds because the guy was just being a jerk like just being a jerk and and so you actually gave me a term to use which we'd use as a replacement word and I thought you were serious so I've been practicing man <laughs> I've been practicing I'm like I can- <laughs> no
2: we can't go there Pete but we do have a safe word if it gets too touchy. <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. It's our safe word.
1: <laughs> Sorry if you live in Oklahoma, man. You're, you're our safe word. <laughs> so there's no reason for that, by the way. To live in Oklahoma? No, <laughs> that you're our safe word. It just is. Okay. Doesn't like one of the the uh, Bivo guys, like Lance or yeah, uh,
2: Brad Briscoe.
1: Is he in Oklahoma or Kansas?
2: Yeah, he's in what uh, Kansas City. Yeah, same thing it, <laughs> yeah, you know, so anyway, learn geography on the podcast,
1: so so here's a great marketing tip for you guys that you can use actually in your church. And I was actually thinking, like how would I use this in my church? because I you got to do it differently than than how we use it in business. So here's what happens. Like right now, I run Facebook ads for the Bivo Church Planner Manifesto, and it's specifically for wait for it church planners, right? So that's what I'm targeting. Church planners. And pastors, and offering them the uh, the Bible Church Planner Manifesto for free as a download. So this guy, um, you know, opts in on Facebook, and so what happens is when someone opts in and says, "Hey, I want that," I send it to him, right? And then I put them into a sequence that we refer to as the soap opera sequence, right? And the reason why we call it that oh, is, what's that? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> well no but it's it's a marketing term
2: no no but but i have something to say <laughs> so what do you have going? to say
1: oh is this about your soap opera sequence
2: yeah <laughs> dude <laughs> welcome to my world buddy that's all i could think when i saw I got all that. these people email me back going are you even a real person <laughs> stop emailing me <laughs> I'm like, i am mean i have nothing to do with it now i think
1: my favorite one is is uh this is my third time telling you to stop emailing me. And I'm thinking, have you never used email before? There's an unsubscribe button on the bottom of every email that goes out. It's the law, you know, but it's like <laughs> <laughs> whatever, man. So, so anyway, um, so I got this, it, the, it's called a soap opera sequence. And what it's meant to do is for people who don't know you, it's meant to create a bond. That's why it's called a soap opera. Cause soap opera is like, you know how women used to watch this all the time during the day? And, yeah. and it was like, you know, they, they just had to watch their soap. In fact, it got so bad in like the 80s and 90s. They had those 976 numbers that you could call into to hear what happened on your soap opera if you missed it. Right. Like that's yeah. how much people got into them. So that's that's kind of like the idea behind it. You don't know me. Let me tell you a little bit about myself and kind of welcome you into my world. So, like we've got a soap opera sequence for you. Like when people are interested in jump school or something like that, it tells them about your times church planning and yeah and some of the the highs and the lows of doing that. And so mine talks about the highs and lows of my life and in business and losing everything and bankruptcy court. And I mean the whole the whole kit and caboodle, right? So this guy emails me. And um clearly just I, I the only way I can put it is he was being a jerk. That's actually not the only way I can put it. That's the clean way I can put it yeah. is he was yeah. being a jerk. And so he's like, oh, you must have bought the list of people who uh, uh, wanted the uh, the Bivo Church Planner Manifesto. And now you're marketing to them your profit hacking solutions. <laughs> so, like, and, and, he, and then he goes on even further and he goes, uh, yeah, I work with a network and uh, I was going to refer this. But there's no way I'm referring you guys now, not after seeing these emails. And I go, and I reply back, I go, I'm sorry, man. I, I don't think I understand. What do you mean I bought a list? I'm the guy who wrote the Bible Church Planner <laughs> Manifesto. Right. I go, obviously you didn't read it. And he, he emails back. He goes, no, I didn't read it. It was the holidays. I had set it aside. But after seeing these emails, there's no way I'm going to uh, refer this to my leadership team. They're just, I think it would offend too many people. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Um,
2: what, what, what did he find offensive?
1: That's the thing. Who knows? Right. It
2: was emails.
1: It was, it was from the soap opera sequence. Yeah. It was me telling the story, which we've told on the podcast of filing for bankruptcy. And then like the craziness that happened literally the day I'm filing. Total,
2: Yeah. Total Holy spirit intervention. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I can see how that, you know, (laughs) that would be offensive that you actually believe God exists and intervenes in your life. So I'm like, um, I, I can't remember
1: exactly what I said back to the guy, but I was like, uh, don't worry. I don't think we'll be recommending uh, your church planning network to all of our readers of church planner magazine or over 170,000 listeners of the church planner podcast and hardcore church planning. I'm like, <laughs> Ooh, wow, dude, you think I'm really like offended by this? And so then he, he like emails me back and it was almost like, I don't know. Like he didn't realize who I was and so he was just being a jerk or something Yeah, like maybe he thought I was just some uh uh snake oil salesman out there and and just you know I'm gonna sell people a whole bunch of crap or whatever right and so then he comes back and he's like uh uh hey look uh I apologize uh you know I can tell you're easily offended <laughs> I'm like dude <laughs> so and that's when it hit me. I'm like, okay, he's a jerk so much that he doesn't even realize he's a jerk. Hey, I apologize. Turns out you're really easily offended. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm the last person who's offended. And I go, hey, look, man, you know, tone of voice doesn't come through email. So maybe you meant this a totally different way, but you kind of sounded like a jerk when uh, you know, and I went through the whole thing and I'm like, in three different times you insisted on telling me that you weren't gonna recommend me to your your network. As if I in any way asked you to do that, as if I cared that you do that, as if I even know who you are, right? I'm like, where did this come from? Like, I don't care what you do with your life, bro. Like, you needed to come out and attack someone and to feel good about yourself. And I'm like, and I just said, but I guarantee you that clearly you were offended by the emails because that's what started this whole conversation. I highly recommend that you don't <laughs> refer anyone to the Church Planner Magazine yeah. or the podcast.
2: It's interesting that he called you easily offended. So, so here's the thing: is is I know from you know the time that we spent talking and, and even praying about whether or not because I remember you going, hey, you know, I I don't want to do this for church planners. Like I'm not doing it to make money off them. In fact, it would cost them like ten times as much if they actually took this from me. In in a business context, but you go. I want to help these guys, so I'm going to put a price on it so that they value it. Otherwise, like Jump School, we offered that free. Guys just didn't even log in. You know, the guys who paid paid attention, right? Yeah, that's the way it works. But that was a lesson for me. It was like because I was like, no, Pete, let's just give it all away for free. And you're like, I get it, but it's not going to work, man. Look, this is how it works. When when people pay, they pay attention. But I remember you kind of saying, and and even to the point where you're like, "Look, because I'm not approaching this like I approach business. Um, I literally want to help change these guys' lives." Because we have met with so many of these church planners online, and it's probably more of your time. Because um, I know how my, I'm I'm on one of the groups, and I know how much time you put into it. So it all that to say, man. I I just it's interesting because I know from the other side, whether or not you were like, Hey, I don't even know if I want to do this, but I think it can make a big difference and everything from the podcast, you know? Yeah. And me. I've literally not
1: let a single person sign up when they've talked to me. I've you've said, you've got to sleep people on well. it. You got to pray on it. You got to talk to your spouse about it. Cause I'm you not taking your eyes off the price and
2: told them, Hey, look, I don't think this is for you because after talking, I don't think you're cut out for this. Um, you know, I actually thinking- had someone who you and I both know, and
1: by the way, guys, this is not someone from from Southern California, so don't be thinking, oh, I know who that is, because you don't. <laughs> I guarantee you, you know... Someone from Northern California. <laughs> they're not <laughs> in California, actually, but you and I know this person. And, and they did approach me, and I just remember thinking, dude, I don't want to say this, but there's no freaking way this is right for you. Like, I know you. You are awesome, but there's no way you're going to do this, man. I yeah. mean... It's just not yeah. a good fit.
2: So all that to say, um, you know, uh, I don't know. What's the, what's the moral of this story? Pete, Dude, yeah, the moral yeah. of the story <laughs> is don't cross
1: Petey. Cause <laughs> I think one of the lines <laughs> I even said to him, I go, I'm not easily offended. It's just that when someone's a jerk in ministry, um,
2: I'm gonna point out you're being a jerk, and you're in ministry, dude. What's up? Well, what's kind of <laughs> cool about that, man, is is ministry can be a thing where nobody ever, nobody ever like tells you you're you're kind of being a jerk. You know what I mean? Everybody. Well, that's what I got. So like
1: that was actually what I took away from him. I was like, okay, this is so ingrained in this dude's personality, he doesn't even realize how much of a jerk he's being. Probably to people
2: around him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really, I mean, we've all had bad days. I mean, shoot, man, there's, there's times I can be a jerk to people. Um, I, I woke up this morning just thinking we were doing a shoot yesterday and, uh, we're losing our daylight. And I just remember kind of saying this, Hey, you know, could you not? And I remember just going, oh, I was kind of jerked that I did that dude. We are filming incredible stuff right now for a uh, uh, church pointer minute or what? No, I'm doing it for the multiply training. Oh my oh, gosh, cool. dude, we did it. We did a, uh, we did a values session, and we contrasted Sith versus Jedi, dude. It was so fun. Really? Oh, we had costumes. We've got animations. We got holograms popping up out of our hand, dude. It's it's amazing, dude. I'm working with a cool team right now. I went to uh, Islands last night, and uh, you know,
1: had a beverage while I, while I was enjoying my dinner. And as always, because I don't like to talk to anyone, I'm pulling out my cell phone and reading the Kindle book, right. <laughs> Anything to keep from talking to anyone or watching sports on TV, which I can't stand either. And um, and so I I actually cracked open a, a book that we've had this guest I think on our show, and they like had a, a, a I, there was a line in there where they're like, "You got Han, Chewie, Leia, Luke," and I'm like, "Dude, dude, using Star Wars? What's up? What was like, it?" I, I'll have to find it. I'm actually afraid to say who it was. Cause what if I was wrong and he wasn't on our show, but I was like, this is we'll so one them. of our people. We'll yeah.
2: Them all and have them talk about stores. Which speaking of which is something that we have to do right now. Let's talk about the movie first. <laughs> Why did you have mixed feelings? Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't think it was as great as everybody else thought. And, and, and I look, you know, um, when I went into it, let me just tell you my experience, because I'm not super critical when I watch a movie, right? Um, I, and it's a Star Wars film, so I'm guaranteed I'm going to like it. I like the prequels. I know everybody else is like. I don't even. You know, what do you suck? mean prequels? What's that? I don't know. There was something that George Lucas did before he retired, but uh, nobody. Oh, that. I think he retired before he did those. I think that was the problem. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, right? We'll see, Revenge of the Sith is one of my favorites. I think that's like number two for me, right? Episode three, I love that thing. But when Phantom Menace came out, because I hadn't had something since I was 10 years old, I was like, I don't care. Bring it on. Bring me a Star Wars film. I don't care. There's lightsabers. There's lasers. There's spaceships. I'm cool. I'm down. There's the force. It's all I need. And, of course, there was Darth Maul. So I was like, you know, everyone's like Jar Jar was stupid. I'm like, hey. That's why my wife went to go see it more than once. I'm totally cool with that. The Ewoks were equally as lame. If you're honest, the Ewoks are just ridiculous. So I'm like, okay, cool. I can handle that. So I didn't have the same impression. But I will say that the prequels, uh, particularly the first two, I hated the second one, by the way. Hated it. Um, Episode two, hated. Um, But I will say this. Oh, come on. When they were romping around on the animals i hated i hated episode two from the moment i saw it i was like this is ridiculous but the 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 reality is um the the first two have not stood the test of time like the original trilogy they just don't hold up they didn't have that that magic that the original trilogy did i loved episode seven loved it And thought it was worthy. This one I went into with really high expectations. Everyone was texting me. Because I did not see it opening night. And I think seeing it opening night. Is kind of a big deal. Right? You got the energy. Which I saw episode 7 opening night. Um, You got the energy. You got the crowd. You got the expectation. You haven't heard anything yet. And let me just give you my experience. In three sections. First third of the movie I'm sitting there going. What are you guys doing? Like I'm trying to figure out. Like it just wasn't wasn't clicking for me. Wasn't yelling and zooming all over the place and that not it like does a Star Wars movie yeah. does. It does do that. You yeah. know, like I know a Star Wars movie cuts back and forth, but this was like almost like five separate introductions. Where I'm going, whoa, wasn't that? Where are we? What in the heck's happening? Right then, the second, third, I was bored. I mean, I was bored out of my mind. Going, <laughs> this movie sucks, and then. The last third, I was like, woohoo, this movie rocks, right? So I, I, I experienced three different movies in one setting, really, you know? That's how I felt. Yeah. I felt it ended on a high note. I loved the last third. Let's I just put it that way. I have heard a lot of
1: people say that it was a great hour and a half movie and a good two-hour movie. <laughs> so they, mm-hmm. they probably could have cut out a half hour. I can see that. I absolutely can see that. I loved it. I, I loved the whole thing.
2: Obviously, the last half hour of the movie is ah, So good. Awesome. Did you tear up during the robot? Did you tear up at the robots last scene?
1: I don't cry, so no. You're a Terminator. I that's right. Terminators don't cry. Dude, I'm not a shepherd, okay? There ain't no crying going on over here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it just uh I, I loved I I've saw uh, twice so far. I mean, I'd go see it again. I didn't want Luke to go see it. Here's a spoiler alert. Jump ahead 30 seconds. If you don't want to hear it, I didn't want Luke to see it. Cause literally everyone dies in the movie. Like, yeah, no one lives. No, not a single soul lives.
2: Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it's true. Uh, Mon Mothma,
1: she, she lived. She yeah. Lived. She wasn't even really in the movie, but one thing that did kind of bother me. And I just saw a recent post, on facebook of course where i get all of my news and uh they said 18 scenes in the trailer that didn't make it into the final movie so i kept looking for the this is a rebellion yes i rebel yes
2: Yes. that was my favorite line of the trailer never made it into the never made it in the final yeah i kind of
1: yeah there, there and as i walked first of all as i read the article and it showed every scene They're like, yeah, this scene of the, uh, the the view of Vader or reflection didn't make it in the final cut. I'm like, dude, seriously, way too much freaking free time on your hand. If like you're picking up on the reflection didn't make it in. But
2: oh, wow. There was a lot of stuff that and was not Vader cool in the movie. Oh, my gosh. And, and the cool part about OK, so I loved it when they showed him floating in the back to tank. Okay, yeah. When you first see him, I love that. And then secondly,
1: what was good about that is it really set the tone that Vader isn't perfect just because they put him in the suit. Like he still has serious health issues.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. And then and then the fact that he's jamming through that corridor, just tearing through the rebel soldiers. I love that. But then the guy's like trying to get it through the door. And what they did that I thought was genius was they set you up. Oh, if he could just get it through the door. If he could just get it through the door. He gets through the, the door and Vader just slams the door open. And you're like, oh, we're not done then. So that wasn't <laughs> like the predictable ending of that scene. Right. And, uh, dude, I love the fact that Peter Cushing was CGI. I know you didn't dig on that. No, right? I didn't. Because you you told me. You go, you know, there's one thing I didn't like. I, th- I thought the CGI dude was horrible. I really did. I loved it, man. I was like, Leia I wait for the day. It we awesome. Just create. We digitally create actors. I told Andrew like 10, 15 years ago when I first started seeing CGI. I'm like, it was, it was Phantom Menace. I told Andrew after Phantom Menace, I'm like, Hey, uh, I, I don't think in future we're going to need actors and actresses. I think we're just going to create them online. Yeah. I, I mean, Leia though, Leia was great. Oh my gosh, so good.
1: That was the one where there was like everyone in the audience was silent, and the
2: dude behind me just cussed. He's like, And I don't mean this in a bad way. But like, okay, we lost her recently. You <laughs> okay, know? Be careful um, where you go with this. <laughs> no, really sad. I I really liked her as a human being. Um, but it, you know, I think all of us Star Wars fans were like. Please tell me they got the footage for the next two movies. Please tell me. <laughs> well, they did like, for the next we'll one, but not the third one. Well, you know, and, and so here's the thing. And and this is what I was gonna say is is it kind of softens it a bit because you're like, we can make her. <laughs> you or know what I, mean? I don't or, mean that to sound cold. I'm just saying Maybe we should
1: just remember can. her from uh 1977 and just kind of kill her
2: off in the next one. I'm yeah, not, no, I'm not allowed to remember princess leia too much i'm married man pete
1: i'm just saying i'm just saying she did not <laughs> look so good in the in episode seven she they they had to do a lot of work they had time to do a lot a of work
2: Mister pete mitchell
1: well and i think she's had a rough life it's not just yeah, she has it, i'm not she talking has. about just time i'm talking i think you know, she had a rough life
2: you know what i like about her though is as rough a life as she had she kept her sense of humor her entire life and that that means a lot. They're, they're coming out with that. That really would be us. <laughs> you and <laughs> I, I would yeah, just man. be like cracking
1: jokes at each other's funeral. I guarantee you we'll be oh, cracking absolutely. jokes. Absolutely. You better hope I don't do
2: your funeral, pal. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me just tell you uh, uh, another story about Pete Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. I, I will put instructions to the minister doing my do not let Pete Mitchell talk <laughs> at my funeral. <laughs> oh man i'll be having you know fun I on loved? that podcast episode you know what i loved i loved the dude i can't re- you know you can't remember anybody's name from the new film they all had these names oh, like yeah Shui, Shui, you know or something like that you're like i i can't say that dude's name i don't know what his name all really hard to pronounce and remember names but like. it doesn't matter because they all die <laughs> but but Ip gonna, Man, right? The guy that plays Ip Man, Bruce Lee's teacher, right? And all the Ip Man films. I, I haven't Asian seen guy. it. I haven't seen those films. But He's I, the I force it. sensitive who's like, I yeah. believe in the force. The force believes in me or whatever he says. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that dude rock. I'm with the force. The force is with me. Yeah. And then he flips it around at the end. Did you catch that? No. What did he say at the end? I'm with the force. The force is with me. When he like does his little faith walk at the end, he switches it. Um, the force is with me. I'm, I'm, or the force is one with me. I'm one with the force. He flips it around, like he kind of has his epiphany, and he flips the order of how he said it backwards. Oh, interesting. Yeah, really cool, man. He still dies, and, and <laughs> he still dies. <laughs> they all die, but his death was so good, dude. All of them, so cool. The adats walking around the beach. Woo-hoo! Oh, come
1: on, dude. Anytime you can see like adats at Pearl Harbor, that's basically uh-huh. what that was.
2: Oh, and dude, like when the. uh, I mean, shut up train talking about star Wars. When the doors open on the sides of the ad-ats and you could fly through them. That was exactly like my toy when I was a kid they had the side door open. I don't remember them flying through it though.
1: I'll have to go back and
2: watch it yet a third time. Uh, you know, I don't know if they did fly through it, but they could. I just remember seeing the door open in yeah. the middle and like you could go straight through it. That was cool. Would have been cool. They should let me work on the film. Okay. So the part I thought was genius. Um, I absolutely loved about the bad guy. And I really liked the bad guy in this because you so wanted to smack him. Every time you saw him, you want to smack him. He just, he had that face, right? Smackable face. And, uh, but I love the fact that they made him such just an arrogant dweeb that he's wearing a Cape everywhere. That was like my favorite part (laughs) that he's got a Cape. He's such an (laughs) arrogant man. That he's walking around in a cape. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kind of do a lot of cape, capeness. I've and known that. people in my life though, where if they could get away with wearing a cape, they would. <laughs> they just think that highly of themselves. Why are you looking at me like that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm one with the force. The force is one with. Oh my gosh! Well, we so, actually should get into our topic, but um, it might be a good idea. Before we, we do that
2: managed to cram in Star Wars and Pete's rant against the jerk. I really wanted to use our replacement word. <laughs> I really <laughs> wanted to use our replacement word. Kind of took the air out of yourselves,
1: dude. It I? did, man, because I was gonna be hilarious with that. I I like I had whole
2: sentences <laughs> built out in my head dropping the replacement word. You know what? You're just gonna have to put your stand up comedy routine on hold. Uh, apparently it's it's not meant for 2017 you're gonna have to work up to that for 2018 yeah so anyway here's
1: my last uh two cents on that if you are a leader in a network um and you're easily offended i guarantee you you don't want to tell people about my bible consulting
2: course for church planners it's it's probably not going to be a good match no, and Pete doesn't want you to because um, he doesn't want to think about you that much. <laughs> you have thought about this guy. No, I thought about the podcast, man. I like was,
1: oh, this is <laughs> gonna be so good, man. <laughs> I'm gonna butcher him, and then I'm gonna send him a link, going, "Hey, listen to the
2: podcast, Oklahoma, Oklahoma." <laughs> did, let me just ask you: Did he ever like kind of come around though and say, "Hey, you know, I'm sorry if I was, you know," did he, well, was, just did that, he that kind of one
1: time, just the one time where he's like. Hey, I apologize. You're really easily offended.
2: <laughs> Let me just get one final dig in there at you. Know, right? Hey, what is what does it say in the scripture? It is the glory of a man to overlook an offense. You know, what's infinity.
1: funny to me is if anyone really thinks that I care about them and their opinion, they really don't know me. Because <laughs> it's like, dude, seriously, I mean, whatever, bro, whatever floats your boat. But
2: well, you know, and here's the thing, man, I think I think that all of us have that kind of tendency. Like I said, man, I the other day, I regret something I said. Everybody has a bad day. You might have just caught him at a grumpy bad day, you know, around the holidays. Could have been, but I don't think I did.
1: I think I literally after the whole conversation, I was like, oh, this is just the way this guy
2: is. And he doesn't even realize what he's doing. Yeah. Like he just all I know, man, all I know, and I've I've kind of made peace with this is I can be a jerk at times. Not not like okay, so I I don't think I do that, but I I definitely feel those things. I struggle more with pride, I think, than
1: anything else. I I I can be very, very (laughs) ego
2: rific. I think that's where it comes from though. Because you you immediately like you respond like that and you don't think about how's this person gonna feel on it or you judge them. Because I, yeah. I would definitely say that you were judged and you were falsely judged.
1: Well, and I would also yeah. say too, and I could have, I could have falsely judged him, yeah. because tone of voice you, doesn't you this come this through Facebook,
2: email, right? Yeah, you, you see it on Facebook all the time. This, this is what people are doing constantly, and I, I wonder if social media has just made it. It's just brought. It, it hasn't created it. It's just provided a platform for the ugliness that's in all of our hearts to to really kind of surface and come out, yeah. you know? Um, but, but I think, I think some of us are like, yeah, you know, I should, I, I probably shouldn't let people <laughs> probably shouldn't put it on display on faith. I mean, it's definitely in my heart, but I probably shouldn't like let it out, you know, just keep that stuff in, you know, like go back in there. Right. Cause, uh, cause I, I feel all that crap sometimes I'll seize. I'll judge people and I, that's one of the things I hate. Is when I'm judging people and unfortunately I can, I can, I can judge people like the best of them. So, but Hey, you know, just happened to be you this time. I judge you every day. I know.
1: I know. And I'm usually the one who has to apologize for being such an idiot on the podcast. You know, know what's
2: funny though, is the older I get, the more of a jerk I realize I am like, Oh, me too. I realize you're such a jerk now more than you were three years ago. (laughs) It's so true, though. That's just because you know me better. But I, I would honestly say, like, the older I get, the more I realize, like, like, and this is what's kind of cool from the marriage perspective. I find myself apologizing to my wife a lot more than when I was younger. Mm. And I think I acted like more, more of a jerk when we first got married. But I would say now I probably don't act as much like a jerk, but I definitely see yeah. a lot more what it, it's really it would have been really helpful to have had that humility you know 20 years ago 20 years of my marriage to have that humility at the beginning of my marriage and go hey um you know i'm really an idiot because i'll say that so fast now i'll just be like you know what? i'm babe i'm sorry i'm being a butthole i'm so sorry you know and she'll be she'll just laugh i'm like yeah you kind of are you know and it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know. like i'll say i'm being a jerk or whatever you know whatever and she'll she'll just it just it just diffuses everything when you can just admit like you know what i'm just i'm sorry you know i love it i love it i love how she just goes yeah you (laughs) kind of (laughs) are well because my wife and i man we've learned we just gotta laugh you know that's how we overcome most of our our our, if we get in an argument nowadays usually ends with a joke someone breaks the ice by cracking a joke and Making or our daughter stops breathing. That's a classic one in the Jones house. <laughs> Does that happen a lot still? Um, occasionally, occasionally she'll uh, not so much stop breathing, but struggle to breathe, yeah. you know, not stop completely. But um, I think in speaking the last of, 30 days,
1: speaking of breathing,
2: um, what do you think
1: of that unicorn uh, commercial that Kirk <laughs> Street sent us? <laughs> Yeah, but I sent
2: you one back that that, that rivaled it. I haven't seen it. Uh, Wait, just wait. Good things are coming. Nice, (laughs) nice. (laughs) All right. So, hey, um, guys, our topic today. And and before we get to our topic, though. Oh, that's true. I'm so rusty on this.
1: I know, right? I know. Um, Hey, you know, Peyton, let me ask you. Do you know of a cheap and easy way that people can give maybe online or text-based to their church? Nope. Hmm. I did a little bit of Googling over the uh, Christmas break, <laughs> and I actually found a way. Let me tell you about
2: it. It's called MoGiv. Whoa, MoGiv. I've never heard of them, Pete. Explain what they are and what they do. I'd love to learn
1: about Well, that. they are an online and text-based giving platform built specifically <laughs> for the needs of new and growing churches. And you can find them at MoGiv.com forward slash church. And that's M-O-G-I-V.com. There's no E on the end of that give. They just they they actually wanted to cut down on their expenses and pass the savings on to you, so they shortened
2: their name to mogiv dot com. Mm-hmm. Love me some mogiv yes. forward slash church. All right, guys. Well, today um I did mention that it's going to be quantity, uh, excuse me, quality over <laughs> quantity as our topic, but it ties in. You know, we, I was going back and forth between two topics, and what I want to do is kind of tie them in. I want to tie this in to team church planting, quality over quantity. So um, basically, here's, here's the question. Um, when we talk about church planting, um, one of the dangers is our metric system uh, with, with church planting can get jacked up because everything that we hear about right now in either established church or church planting has to do with quantity. We're always talking about metrics of numbers, even though we say, oh, you know, I'm planting churches, it's reaching the lost. Um, What we often hear even then is how big did your church grow? How fast did it grow? How many did you baptize? Or what is now common is how many churches did you plant? I always joke around and say it's kind of like the locker room, Mm -hmm. you know, like guys boast now about how many churches, you know, kind of like Mickey Taylor, I swatted five in one blow, you know, I, I. I planted five churches in six years or I, you know, so so that can be come a metric that, again, emphasizes quantity. And what we tend to do is we reproduce what gets celebrated. So if 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 the conversation in popular culture, uh, social media, all the posts you're reading really talked about transforming the people in front of you. Then you would start hearing a different, um, set of metrics. People would start talking about how do you make disciples? You know, how do you, how do you activate people and their gifts? How do you get people to come alive? And really, if you boil it down, what, what each pastor really wants isn't just numbers in this church. He wants quality as well as quantity. So, um, we have stories and stories of guys that just, you know, had these big churches and left them. Right. Um, they, they just, you know, Francis Chan is one of them. Right. He, he'd be one where he goes, I gathered a huge room full of people. And suddenly I was like, okay, um, but this doesn't scratch where I itch. This isn't what I want. And so what I want to talk about today, guys, is how to instill that quality factor in your church plant from the beginning, and. The only way that you can do that is really by team church planning. And I know Pete, what you're thinking. (laughs) I don't even know what I'm thinking. Pete's thinking, what is team church planning? And so we've talked about this before. (laughs) Team church planning is when you don't just like, for example, like, most of our church planning nowadays um, starts with we we take one church planter, we pour into that guy, we send him out, and we say, hey, go ahead and gather a team. So, for example, um, you know, I ran this thing called church planning train station and I, I just ran it for like six months. But the original intent was to get guys in a geographic area um, coming together. And training them, some of them were already planting, some of them were going to plant, some of them were just exploring planting, some were in the process, some had planted a year ago, but all these guys came together and girls, girls were allowed to come too, I was pretty radical, but they all came together and the idea was rather than sending, like say there were 15 people, it was like rather than sending 15 of you out in separate directions, why don't we create teams of you? And you break out in one or two or three years, but you plant with quality to begin with, right? It's not about planting 15 churches right now. It's about planting kind of like Paul did with a solid team of people that eventually when the quality is is enough, then they branch out. And that's what Paul did. Because if you remember, when Paul started his church planting journey, he hits the regions of Galatia. And he and Barnabas are just boom, boom, boom. They're hitting, by the way, if you know anything about Galatia, Galatia is a region. Galatia is not a city. So when it says he planted, he planted multiple churches in Galatia. And when he writes a letter to the Galatians, that's an entire region. So Paul had really valued quantity over quality back in the beginning. And then he comes back at the end of that journey and goes, you know what? These churches suck. Like they don't even know the gospel. And he realized, you know what? I've got to start picking people up, taking them with me, depositing teams of people as we plant together, making those churches strong and quality churches, quality church plants. Then we can branch out. And so that team church planting approach was born. Hmm. And so Paul learned from his mistakes. And I I would say, guys, what we're hearing right now is the church um, realizing that it's made mistakes. I don't know that we're learning from it because a lot of the conversation today is still the metric of quantity. Um, And as long as we keep celebrating that, that's what we'll reproduce. All right. Guys will come and they'll aim for that because that's the metric of success. Right. But when Paul had that paradigm shift um, into quality – um, it changed his practice. And what, what I'm arguing today is that a team approach will ensure quality. And the reason why is because of discipleship. Discipleship is the reason for those five roles in Ephesians 4. So when Paul says he gave some to be apostles, ev- uh, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, he says that they would equip the saints that the body would grow to maturity and Christ through his body would fill all things. And so what Paul sees is, is the discipleship through those five roles of the average everyday believer to be raised up and released in ministry is crucial to the expansion of Christ's presence in the world. And um, so that that's that's kind of my intro into that topic. Um, any, any thoughts, questions come to mind? No, cause to me, it almost sounded like the summary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's the setup because, you know, naturally after that, you got to say, well, well, how, what does that look like? Like, how do I, um, how do I, how do I plant in teams or what does that look like? What are the roles? I mean, you know, so th- there's a way to break it down further. For
1: Sure, yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, you know, bringing the conversation back to me because that's kind of how I roll. That's what I always hope.
2: I, I, this whole podcast is about
1: you. The the pride in me, you know, just comes through. <laughs> Doesn't he know <laughs> who he's talking to? Come on, man. I'm the co-host, <laughs> anyway. Um, it actually, uh, it and and this does actually bring it back to me, but. I've been talking to a lot of church planners on the phone, you know, because they've been wanting to go into my consulting training, and I always started off by wanting to know about their church plant and what they're doing. And it is so interesting hearing all the different backgrounds and where everyone is is coming from. Mm. Um, you know, like I was talking to a guy I don't know yesterday or the day before, who um, he's he's got a church plant of like forty people. And this is after, I think he said this was after like five years and he's only been the the head pastor for a year and a half. Oh. And that would like bother a lot of people, right? They'd be like, you know, it's only got 40 people. But he's like, dude, you know, we're just, we're reaching people that no one else is reaching. And he's mm-hmm. like, we're in the Bible belt. He goes, everyone says to us, why do you want another church? You know, there's a church on every street corner. It's like because they're not reaching the people that aren't saved. They're just reaching other saved people and the transfer growth. And yeah. I think there's always going to be that that uh, draw that pastors and church planners are gonna have is we see on TV the megachurch. You know, where does exponential meet? It meets at mega churches, right?
2: Yeah,
1: you know, it meets at saddleback, it meets at a mega church on the east coast. And so there's almost like this, hey church planner, you know, one day this could be yours kind of a thing. But yeah. that that is um and I am not saying that's what anyone is actually saying at exponential or anything like that. No. No, it's just a, a place to to host a big yeah. number of people. That's that's all that is. But yeah. and I think the church planner needs to be careful that that they don't let that become their God, you know, of this is what I'm after or I'm I know I'm successful as a church planner when. Yeah, I got two hundred people. I got three hundred people. I talked to well, a guy so the other here's day. The thing,
2: right, well, let, let me let me just it. tell
1: this real quick. Sorry. I talked to a guy the other day. He's got three hundred and I think he said sixty people typically um, come to his church plant. Most right. church planters that I know would consider that a success. They'd be like, "Wow, dude, three hundred sixty people—that's a big church." Yep. Interesting thing is, most of those people are like our Long Beach church. He goes, right. they don't have money to give. He goes. I just got a $24,000 a year pay cut from the church because there's no money. Like we're reaching people, but the people who we're reaching, there's no money. So I mean it's just it's a different mindset.
2: It's so funny because I just finished up the um training for fundraising for Multiply. Mm. They we we film these videos and um and we hit on all this. We hit on the fact that um You know, before you ask other people to fund the mission you're on, you know, and sacrifice, you have to ask the question, Am I willing to sacrifice Mm. for this? So, so when you go after certain people, like in the Bible Belt, when I go through the Bible Belt, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in Waffle Houses and I, I stop at a filling station. I see the truck stops that are there and I think to myself, who's reaching these people? Mm. Right. Like who's, Who's at these truck stops, man? Like, like there is a lot of drug use, a lot of prostitution, a lot of vice, a lot of massage parlors. Who's going after them? And so so people have this idea. It's really funny because my family in the south is very this is ironic because they're all Christians, but they're very suspicious of church. Um, they, They've 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 come to see. How high on the hog pastors can live, mm. right? Um, I'm just putting a blog up today about Chaucer 700 years ago, mm. talking about the fat friar versus the parson. And he talks about the priest, the bishop and Canterbury tales 700 years ago. He was pointing out these things. Why are the guys that are supposed to be like reaching the lost, not making the sacrifices to do so? And so church planners, this is why I love working with church planners. They will make the sacrifice. To reach lost people. And wh- whereas, you know, like you said, like I got to be careful here because um, I'm not saying if you got a big church, you're not making sacrifices to reach lost people. Don't want to overstate. But this is what I think Pete and I find so exhilarating about working with most of you guys out there listening is we know what you've been to Pete because he's been at refuge long. Beach. He's seen exactly what these guys are, are talking about he's seen it. You know ironically, sometimes these church plants, I remember you going, I don't know how this money came came in. I was talking to a church planter last week who was in a pretty bad neighborhood and he was like, man, this much comes in a month. I don't know where it comes from. Mm. I don't know if people outside are funding this or what. But but the reality is is that even in those situations like what we're talking about, even if we're not talking money, if we're talking Quality. Imagine the amount of discipleship. Like when I was talking to this guy, he was saying how, um, you know, team prostitutes are getting saved at his church, Mm. Um, underage prostitutes. And he said, here's the thing. Um, You know, imagine the amount of discipleship that needs to happen in these broken places, these broken neighborhoods. Another reason for you, where for quality, these are going to be people that are going to be so radically transformed and transformational for anyone that they're around, that you need a team around you you need a team of men and women, not just men. Cause I know a lot of times we think, Oh, a team of guys. And one of the things in, in refuge Long Beach was that if you were an elder, um, we took it seriously where Paul talked and he's like, Hey, the wives also, you know, the deacons, the wives also, these, these are the qualifications for you. We, you're on our team. Like we need you. Right. Cause I'm definitely not going to go minister to an underage prostitute who just got saved, but my wife can, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And so team planning is really important because like I said, you know, discipleship and, and here's what discipleship is guys. Um, for, for example, this is a problem I have when I plant a church. Um, I felt so much like George Bailey. I just watched It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas. I felt so much like George Bailey at um, Bedford Falls, trying to get out with Refuge Long Beach. Because remember, I tell you, I'm like, hey, I'm only here for a year, first year, second year. I'm like, Charlie's gonna take it over. Charlie goes to Orlando, or uh, to uh, where did Charlie go? What's the city? Whittier. Whittier. Charlie goes to Whittier. Then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, um, we're gonna find a person. It took forever for us to find someone, a teacher, because I kept training up. Apostolics, you know, Reuben, you know, uh, Jimbo was going to be one, you know, but, but all these guys wanted to plan out and it was like, well, you know, I reproduce myself. That's what discipleship is. You're, you're reproducing who you are. That's why Paul raised up disciples, you know, disciples who became apostles, Timothy, Titus, um, Silas, all these guys, Barnabas are all called apostles. And so, when you're a church planner, you tend to raise up people who are like you, right? Who, who that those are the people that identify with you and you identify with them. But that's why you need a team because not everybody's called to be apostolic. You're going to need a shepherd. Um, you're going to need a teacher. I was reading a book recently, um, Gathered and Scattered by Hugh Halter and Matt Smay. Haven't you read and that before? Th- Were you rereading it? Yeah, I was rereading it. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, Hugh, it's by the way, that is a fantastic book. If you guys have never read that book, I was stunned this time how many things I missed the first time. I'm like, I don't remember you writing that, Hugh. That's good. That probably says more about where I'm at. But, uh, but Hugh basically said, you know, we, we had the shepherding skills of, I don't remember what he said, like a WWE wrestler or something stupid like that. Um, but he was like, we, we need to touchy feely people around us to minister to people's hurts and needs. Because we are apostolic. And so when it comes to those needs in your people, um, you need the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher to pull on each individual believer. So like Pete, Pete's walking around, average Christian, and he's got parts in him that only an apostle could pull out of him. To bring him to spiritual maturity he's also got parts of him that only an evangelist can develop so like pete might be like like i see this a lot within the reform camp right um everybody gravitates towards uh what seems to be the part they relate to the most so um more of the the people that respond to prophetic leaders end up going off to the pentecostal charismatic movement People that respond well to teach teachers, um, they tend to go to the reformed movement, which is a teacher led movement. Um, rather we've fragmented in the body of Christ, right? The apostolic guys tend to be church planners, a kind of radical, edgy. Um, but but what happens is that um if you only go to a church, it's all about teaching and the word, that's all that gets developed in you. And so you can't actually like do anything. Right. Like you don't know how to use the gifts because no one's pulled that out of you. No one's helped tease that out of you spiritually. You haven't sat in a meeting with a guy who teaches theology like John Piper, but then the guy tag teaming with him is a prophetic type leader. And he says, Well, you know, my my role in this body is to stir up your gifts, right? To help you stir up your gifts. In, in so that you actually have the faith to step out and use them. That's what prophetic people do. They encourage people to use our gifts. Apostles are really good at recognizing them because they got to put people in place. They can leave like George Bailey and blow, blow themselves out of Bedford Falls. Um, but the reality is, um, for me, I could never leave Bedford Falls in Long Beach because, you know, at, at a certain point, I wasn't, uh, I, I was just reproducing me. And um and and what happened was uh we didn't have I mean, really at the beginning, we only had we had an apostolic team, but they were all apostles. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, huh. yeah. At the very beginning, almost everyone on our team. Then we we had Bonamo, but he was just like in pupa form. Now Bonamo's come into his own. Right. I mean, no, not I only is that dude tearing up the pulpit, but he's just I mean He's like a hybrid. He's like a shepherd evangelist. I don't, I don't really know what category to put that guy in, but, um, but he's tearing it up right now. And he's probably realistically looking at Mike, he's probably ending up becoming apostolic, but, uh, Langham's definitely a teacher. I mean, he's there and he's a teacher. And so he's, and, and kind of what's cool is Langham being there has really developed the other guys into being able to teach. But you, the, the place I was going with that was, Um, I'm gonna, you know, let's say you just go to a teaching ministry, you're gonna really understand the scripture really, really well, and you're not gonna do anything with it, right? Because you don't have an apostolic guy going, Hey man, let's take all this knowledge and let's get it out there, out into the community. Or you don't have an evangelist who, an evangelist. So, so the apostolic guy really Specializes in turning the church outside, turns it inside out. He mobilizes church people to reach lost people in in mass. So he he creates this missionary culture amongst his people. That's why the missionary movement or the missional movement tends to be really apostolic. Most of the guys writing the books on that, absolute Alan Hirsch, uh, uh, Hugh Halter, uh, myself, different you know, Caesar Kalinowski, these guys are all missional, but they're all apostolic. There's a reason for that. That's so they're writing books that are mobilizing the church uh, to get out there. Mm. But an evangelist is different. What the evangelist does is he doesn't really mobilize a church to get out other than he might, wh- what he really does. He goes out and he just preaches the gospel to the lost. But what he'll do is he'll, he'll tap on Pete. who's like, Hey man, I'm just enjoying my Bible study, but don't talk to me. Right. But he'll be like, no, Pete, no, come with me. And Pete, because in Pete, there's this, uh, you know, the, the, there's this, this Holy Spirit in him that looks like Jesus. And as all five of those things combined, it's going to pull on Pete. Even though Pete goes, I don't really want to go out and talk to people about Jesus. <laughs> you or know? talk to people, period. We yeah. can just put yeah, a period right there. there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to do this, but. Pete will feel drawn to it under the right leadership. The guy who pulls that out of Pete, who takes what that part of Jesus that's already already in him, that the Holy Spirit's trying to conform Pete to the end uh, the image of Jesus, Jesus with a Pete Mitchell skin on, and that leader will pull, start honing that and pulling that and teasing that out of Pete so that Pete starts developing evangelistically. You know, and for Pete, you know, when I met Pete, this, the, the way that that came out was apologetics. Those guys are all evangelists, right? Apologetics.com. And Pete was on that board because somewhere along the line, that was calling to Pete. That was pulling on Pete. And that was an area that the Holy Spirit was developing in him. And I've seen countless times where Pete's like, hey, I'm going to go talk to my friend, you know, about the gospel. And boom, they head out to islands. And well, I,
1: didn't, I don't think I've ever said it like that. It's just, yeah, it has
2: transmutated into that. <laughs> yes, we've transmutated that lead into gold. But no, but I mean you do. You share Jesus with him. And you know, it's it's just kind of a it's a beautiful thing. And that's what the Lord wants to do in every believer. And I think our metric system needs to shift away. And it will do as we more head towards team leadership. Our metric system and the conversation we need to have needs to be more about what people's giftings are. Now I got a book coming out Reaching the Unreach.
0: Cha-ching! Cha-ching!
2: Uh, it comes out May 16th. You can pre-order it now on Amazon.com. But um <laughs> <laughs> but uh the 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 reality is is that in that book I talk about the activating of gifts because to me that's the metric. I can't leave a community a a a church that I planted until people's gifts are activated. Right. Right, their their discipleship needs to happen. That that all of these five roles, these five gifts, are pulling and teasing out of each believer these five areas. And what will happen is people will specialize. You know, I'll find guys like Steve Ortiz, I write about in the book, where he's a chain link fence salesman. I always mention he's my favorite example because nobody ever really saw anything in Steve other than a guy who could maybe set up chairs dude's an evangelistic animal now, but he needed the right leadership. I started taking him to to all these church planning meetings, and it was just because I discipled him i just I just saw that the people I was going to leave behind, none of them were leadership material quote unquote but I was like, well, if I spend time with them and disciple them, something will emerge, and I could never have predicted it 's kind of like those little um Kinder eggs, you know, my kids get these little like prizes and they, they got them in all these like little toy things right now where it's like some little chocolate wrap thing and you unwrap the tinfoil and there's chocolate, you eat chocolate. And then there's a toy in there, like a little toy surprise, right? It's like a box of Cracker Jacks. You don't know as you disciple people, what in the heck's going to develop out of them. But it's changed my view of leadership. I used to disciple people that I thought were leaders. And Refuge Long Beach taught me that you just disciple the people in front of you and leadership will emerge. I think that's what Jesus did with the 12, right? He just discipled those 12 guys that nobody could have ever predicted would be powerful leaders. And they became gospel animals. So somehow we need to change the quality, you know, the qualitative analysis or the quality metric. You know, guys need to be talking about. How many of your people in your church plant know what their gifts are? How many of the people in your church plant are activated in those gifts? How many of the people in your church plant have been released in those gifts? Right? So it's the, 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 are they aware of them? Have they been awakened? Have, have they been, uh, you know, are they aware? Are they awakened? And are they released? I should come up with another A. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then i think you should put it in a book i should well that's why the three p's are the p's i have to take in between the times i'm speaking at a conference or during the podcast but that was just one it was <laughs> no one knows what we're talking about we've cut that I out don't. you did cut that out? i wondered i wondered a few ago <laughs> earlier i go hey pete you got Bozos, i gotta pee man <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh, not again Normally I just do the potty dance, but, uh, but today it was too
1: early in, you would have been dancing a long time.
2: The spirit was willing, but the bladder was weak. That's the way it goes. You know, that, that's all I have to say, but you know what Pete? Uh, it is January. This is the time where, uh, any of your tax, uh, receipts need to be sent out. So if you're a church planner, you're like, holy crap, what's that? (laughs) You're in trouble because all those people donating to your church plant, they really need tax receipts because they're going to report to the IRS how much they gave in charitable giving this year, and uh, they kind of need a receipt from you, and if uh, you don't do that, guess what? You may not get donations mm. from those same people next year because people kind of depend on that. I definitely do i yeah.
1: <laughs> I depend on y'all giving me a tax receipt. oh is is that personal? <laughs> I'm I'm talking to all of the listeners
2: who the uh who, who might have benefited. Hey, hey, you know what? I have Simplified Church, and Simplified Church keeps track of my giving all year long. You're talking about even, for Refuge Long Beach, right? Yes, I am for Refuge Long Beach. They keep track of my charitable giving all year long, even though I'm not there anymore. But Pete, I was able to safely leave them in the hands. SimplifyChurch.com, knowing that they would look after the needs of all of my donations, all of my tax receipts, anything financial at all, payroll, cutting checks. Ironically, I I have
1: a conversation with Josh over there at Simplify Church today because I want him to do that for my business. Nice. Because I don't want to do it. I hate doing all that
2: stuff. I hate the paperwork. I dig that you're going to like a church planning, nonprofit bookkeeping service for your business.
1: <laughs> Where else am I going to go, dude? I know the dude. He's a yeah. client of mine. It's only fair that I'd be a client of his.
2: Absolutely. And a sponsor of the podcast. I might add Woo-hoo. seriously, guys, if you don't have someone doing that, I'll tell you what, now is the time of year that you burn out a treasure faster than anything else. Uh, because most treasures that you get to volunteer, don't know how to do this and it's really intimidating and it's IRS stuff. It's, it's big boy stuff. So anyways, um, it, you know, head on over to simplifychurch.com They'll talk to you and even give you an estimate. Check it out. Now's the time of year. Actually before this was the time of year, but they're good peeps. They'll help you out. They are good peeps. So
1: anyway, yeah. um, I guess we're done. Uh, why don't you uh, close this out?
2: All right. Here's the jingle. Hey, Church Planner, thanks for joining us today for the first podcast with Pete and Peyton of 2017. Trust us, it will only go downhill from here. But we want to thank you for joining us. And And absolutely do not refer
1: us to any of your friends and family, because I guarantee you, we will offend. (laughs) Uh, That's not true. I guarantee you, Pete will offend.
2: Well, that's probably true. We probably will. I
1: didn't even bring up the samurai on this episode and I wanted to bring that one up. <laughs>
2: Don't go into that.
1: <laughs> back, back away. Back away, California. <laughs> Keep away from here.
2: California has the upper hand. California, wait. Jando has the upper hand. Jando, there it is. John Doe has the upper hand. <laughs> yes, there's a samurai in the box. Please back away. So here's the deal. Um, guys, thanks for joining us. We want to remind you that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing and hey and while you're at it you might as well go see the new star wars film although it's not as good as i don't think as pete thought but oh, it's just you know there it is so back off
1: thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the church planner podcast with pete mitchell and peyton jones we'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the church planner podcast visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com.